The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall with track four. Lock one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off to four. Quick time! Ten. Zero. Three. Zero. Second lap time for David. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a shit one. Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. Uh, we're one man short today as Jason Orth could not make it due to some work obligations, but Brad Brown is back in the house again. Brad, did you ever find that lawnmower? Nope. Uh, actually, I quit looking. I decided I'm going to stick with the Toro and and uh, just take care of it, and it'll get me through. I don't need to spend $500 on something to replace something that works perfectly good, so uh uh, we're going to be needing to get that out here pretty soon. It looks like grass is turning green. Things are things are sprouting, ready to go for the spring. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my yard is definitely sprouting up right now. Got to get that fertilizer down. It's a pre-emergence down and whatnot. But uh, how was how was your week? Uh, I knew you spent it out in, what, Arkansas, Mississippi, someplace like that? Yeah, yeah I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas last week uh, for the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships. And uh, it went really well until Saturday when uh, one of my athletes – tested positive for COVID and then the shit show began and trying to isolate him in a strange town and getting him back to Lincoln uh, as safe as possible. It was, it was a nightmare, but uh, we, we did it. We got him back Sunday night and uh, now he's in isolation for the next 10 days. It's gotta be a hell of an Uber ride back, back home to Lincoln from a uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. The big ass <laughs> arrow bus with two people in it, him yeah. sitting in the very back and me sitting in the very front. And, uh, that was a seven and a half hour drive, and I'm glad I didn't have to pay that bill. But uh, we got home, and we're we're good, so we're moving on now. And so I'm in quarantine for a couple of days to make sure that I don't get it. I got my PCR tested tonight, and uh, I'm going to get an antigen test tomorrow. And if we're all clear, then I'm going back to work. So you're finding finding out real quick how how well that vaccine's working. It looks like yeah, yeah. Guinea we'll pig see. Brad I over just, here. I just didn't want to bring it back to my wife. Uh, I. I I'm supposedly 95% immune, but I didn't want to bring it back to my wife. So uh, we'll get tested and clear tomorrow, and then we'll start getting back to uh, what our normal life is uh, under these circumstances. Yeah, definitely. I spent the weekend uh, on Saturday night over at the World of Wheel Show in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, sitting down with the guys from the front stretch, uh, Dan and Dirk, out there. Uh, did a little interview with them. I'm not quite sure when that's going to air, but uh, just kind of talked about the podcast a little bit and uh, – and shot the shit with those guys for a little bit. So I want to thank those guys for having me on and hanging out with them, and uh, as well, and also James Rowland was up there. So I got to thank James for the uh, for the uh, beer that he bought up there, nine dollar beer at at the uh, CHI Health Center. I can't believe that Ooh. shit, man. So uh, James bought the first round of beer, and uh, as we, I calmed my nerves a little bit before that interview. So uh, thanks a lot, James. Appreciate that. How, how was the car show? Was there a, a pretty good representation of race cars there? Uh, race cars. Uh, if you use that definition loosely, yes, there was there was a lot of like drag cars and like kind of street race car stuff. As far as dirt racing stuff, Eagle Raceway had a booth out there. They had a uh, two B mods out there, and then uh, Matthew Stelzer that we had on the program a couple months ago. He had his uh, Pro Sprint uh, Knoxville Raceway car out there. And as okay. far as dirt racing, that's that's about all that was out there. Usually, there's a decent uh, representation, but I guess it's more of a hot rod show than it is a racing show. So. I understand. Yeah, there's definitely some hot rods out there, uh, some really sweet-looking low riders on hydraulics and and some really cool Mustangs that puts my uh, Mustang to shame because it's <laughs> you see not any that see 34 great. Fords there? That's that's my favorite is a 34 Ford. There were some old ones, but I yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you what a 34 Ford looks like. <laughs> <laughs> ZZ Top, baby, ZZ Top. Sharp-dressed man, that's for sure. Uh, tonight on the program, uh, Brad, you were in charge of booking this guest, uh, Jacob Weaver, Weaver, is that correct? Yeah, Jacob Weaver, uh, he's the tire guy for Tony Stewart Racing and uh, the Donnie Schatz number 15 car. Uh, I've known him for the last oh, four or five years, and uh, I thought, uh, why not get him on here and get a little different perspective of things? Uh, we talk to drivers all the time, and we have their perspective. I uh, thought we'd go kind of behind the scenes, so to speak, and get Jacob on here and give us a little idea about what his days or weeks are like and 
what it's like uh, at the racetrack and getting that uh, 15 car prepped and ready to go for, for the A feature. So uh, we're going to have him on and see, uh, he's kind of like, uh, um, same with me with my job. I'm one of the behind the scenes guys and don't like to be out here in the limelight, but uh, we thought, uh, told him to get a couple beers in him and uh, loosen him up a little bit. And he'd come out here and uh, give us a little story about uh, being on the road with the world of outlaws. Yeah. From the sounds of it, uh, you've had a few beers with him in the past and uh, the boy can probably put down some uh, brewskis. Uh, for sure. Uh, Dingus, uh, him and I, and several people hang out of Dingus and, uh, we usually have a pretty good time. So, uh, uh, well, we, maybe we can get a story or two in, but yeah, we, we've had a few beers over the years. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I got the, uh, the, uh, Bristol race on right now and they just had a 17 car, uh, modified pileup. Wow. That's, that's, uh, par for the course really with the modifieds but uh yeah that, that i'm kind of anxious to see about this bristol race uh last night there were some hot laps with the late models and uh one guy took out another guy and he ended up uh, getting upside down on the front stretch or one of the straightaways and tore up his late model pretty good so uh i think uh, nobody likes to see a crash but i think we're going to get to see some pretty spectacular crashes because with those speeds, when we see a crash, we're going to see a real crash, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the highlight of this Bristol stuff going on right now is it's it's they're running late models and, and modified and stock car kind of stuff like that. But there was a 12-year-old that won a 602 crate late model feature out there. I can't believe being 12 years old running a full-size late model. I think the 602 crate models are kind of like the Grand National late models that they run up there at I-80 Speedway. But That's, tw- that's amazing. Yeah, being Very 12 impressive. years old. 12 years old and, and beating all those uh, dry. I mean, who knows what was in the field, but uh, I got to believe there were some veterans in that field. And for a 12 year old to, to take the win, that's, that's pretty impressive on that little guy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, back to the sprint car stuff with Jacob Weaver, it's going to be fun to have him on and kind of hear some uh, road stories. Basically he's he, like, you mentioned the behind the scenes kind of stuff. He's, he's the guy, those are the guys that make the sport go around because without those guys, what's the driver going to drive? you know, a pile of bolts. I tell you what, those guys have got to be night owls because they drive all night after a race. They sleep a very little, they get up and prep the car for that. And I just like this last weekend, they were in Mississippi one night and the next night, Louisiana, somebody had to wash the car and maintenance the car and drive the car to the next track. So I'm kind of anxious to see what the, excited to see what they had to say and how the week went. And um, they just, I can't, I can't live on that little sleep of those guys across the whole world of outlaw tour and all stars and everywhere else. They, they, they do a lot with very little sleep. Yeah. Speaking of the past week, uh, let's run down uh, just some race results real quick. Uh, why don't you start off with the outlaws? Well, um, the first night, I think they were in Mississippi. I, I get it mixed up. Uh, um, yeah. I believe they oh, were in Mississippi the first night uh, at, uh, was it Magnolia Speedway? Something like that. I don't know. Um, Tim Hill. Was- Magnolia, yeah. yeah. Magnolia Motor Speedway in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, Sheldon Hoddenschild finally got his first win of the year. I say finally. There's only been, it, that was only the fifth race of the year. But he's been really fast, but just got caught up in everybody else's bad luck. And uh, um, he ended up uh, getting a flat tire, spinning out to avoid a crash and so forth. But uh, uh, he finally got his first win of the year in the uh, NOS Energy, Energy Drink 17 in, in Mississippi. And then they headed down the road and pulled an all-nighter and – Got to Louisiana, and I'm trying to find it here. David Gravel uh, picked up the win in Revolution Park. They called it the Rev in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, and that was a hell of a race. I watched the highlights of that race, and that was a hell of a race between him and Brad Sweet. Uh, it was uh, they finished under a blanket. They swapped the lead. I think the I read where there were 13 unofficial lead swaps, meaning a couple swaps each lap, and and. Uh, the only official lead change is at the flag stand. So, uh, but unofficially they had 13 lead swaps uh, throughout the race and, and man, the track was fast. They took some extra time to prep the track and make it a racy track. And uh, they, they, it was worth it because they put on one hell of a show. Yeah. The rev, that's a great name for a racetrack. If I say so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you mentioned that it was a hell. Go ahead. Sorry, Brad. I'm sorry. I was just going to go through some more, but if oh, you have, yeah, go ahead. No, go. Well, um, just to name some of the more popular people, a lot of people don't know J.J. Hickel. J.J. Hickel won at Keller Auto Speedway in Kings, uh, in Hanford, California. I got to meet uh, J.J. years ago. I was in uh, Eugene, Oregon for the 
uh, national outdoor track and uh, track and field championships. And outside of our hotel, I, I just kind of went for a little walk and I saw this sprint car sitting underneath the shade tree and, and it was JJ Hickle and it was a black and white with a little bit of red trim number three on it. So I went over there and talked to them for about an hour and just had a good conversation with them. So I got to meet JJ. This is probably, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 years ago, but uh, uh, he's definitely becoming a, a, a really solid driver. Uh, he's going to tackle the ASCS national tour this year, but he got himself a win this last week in uh, Hanford, California. Yeah. I got to see that race. And that, uh, I, I tuned it on, on flow racing just in time to catch the feature. Uh, and that was a hell of a race between him um, Joel Myers, Shane Golubic, who we had on the on the show a couple weeks ago, and Darren Pittman, which surprised me to see Darren Pittman running the 360 out there in California. So I'm not quite sure what car he was in or whose car it was, but it was cool to see uh, see the outlaw veteran, you know, take on take on some of the local guys out there in, in California. Yeah, I'm completely guessing here, but I'm I'm thinking that he got such a late start in trying to find a ride because his his uh, working deal fell through and I think he's probably going to take whatever he can get for at least a while here until he can get something established. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Darren Pittman, but, uh, I was kind of surprised when you texted me that, that he was down, I'm down there in California, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure. I, I saw the tracker and just said Pittman and well, Darren Pittman is the only Pittman I know that runs a sprint car. So if anybody knew it was going to be Brad Brown, so I texted him and, uh, you did not get back to me, but I, I found out uh, myself. Yeah, I was, I was uh, busy in in uh, Arkansas. Yep. Then then uh, uh, go. And then Saturday night, it looked like uh, Dominic Selzy picked up the victory out there on Saturday night for the Saturday night portion of that Kings of Thunder three sixty race. Yeah, Dom got it. That's his second one on the year. That's a that's a good start to him. Uh, his forty one team. So uh, kind of saw the tweet picture of him the crown on and drinking, uh, pretending to drink a bottle of champagne, and that's pretty good. He's he's usually a good interviewer. So. Uh, I would have liked to listen to his interview out there after the win, but uh, yeah, he he's got his second win of the year so far, and uh, I'm sure he's going to get a, quite a few more. Yeah, definitely. Um, Dom Dom will be one of those guys that I would love to have on the on the podcast because he'll tell you how it is. Yeah, and and we don't need to censor him at all, so that's that would be another good thing. Yes, maybe we need to reach out for, to him for that. Yeah, speaking of censoring, when I was on the uh, the front stretch thing, I I made sure to drop a couple swear words just so Dan had to hit the censor button. nothing nothing like adam killian did (laughs) oh really yeah on on adam's last interview up there it was just every other word and adam was doing on purpose he was being a little shit which was hilarious no well danny dietrich i won at lincoln speedway this last weekend uh a week ago he thought the place was shit and didn't um he hated the track and it was terrible and and uh, now this week he won, and so it was a good track. And it's the so, best racetrack uh, ever. So I mean, that's just yeah. par. That's par for the course with Danny Dietrich. If if he sucks, it's it's the track's fault and it's shitty, and that's par for the course. Yeah, here's a pretty popular win. Uh, it lit Twitter up on uh, Saturday night. Greg Wilson, former World of Outlaw driver, former All Star driver. He's a uh, kind of I don't want to say drop down, but he did drop down to the three sixties, and he ran a USCS sprint car race in. Uh, Alabama, North Alabama Speedway, and he got himself a win. And so I think it paid $3,500. Uh, so that was a good win for for Greg. And he was a very popular driver. I've never met the guy, but everybody says nothing but positive things about him. So, uh, boy, it lit up Twitter congratulating him for that win. So uh, congrats to Greg on that one. Yeah, definitely. Greg's definitely one of those uh, the good guys of the sport. Uh, I've never had the privilege of meeting him yet. Seen him run, run, and run a few times, you know, when he was out on the Outlaw Tour. But Never had the chance to sit down and have a conversation with them. Right, yeah. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Lance DeWeese won Port Royal. So uh, uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. He uh, he won uh, the opener there. I, I, I read how many feature wins he's got on uh, in his career now, but I, for the life of me, I cannot remember. It was, gosh, it was well over 100. I, it was I'm not even going to guess what it was, but it was, it was a lot. So he's had a, obviously a, a great career. And um, then fast Freddie Raymer won on Sunday. Williams Grove had a, a Sunday race. Uh, usually it starts in the early afternoon during this early part of the, of the spring, they always have race. Oh, my, my mic just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Freddie Raymer won. Welcome to quick time folks. <laughs> <laughs> Got up into marbles and I tagged the wall a little bit. Red flag. Here we go. Speaking of red flags, we're under another caution at Bristol with a five car pile, six car pile up now with this uh, same modified um, 
feature race or whatever it is. So, I mean, I guess it's true to what they say. IMCA, I must crash again. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I saw that um, Seth Bergman won out at Copacabana Speedway out there in Arizona with the ASCS Southwest 360s. And then uh, a bunch of local boys made the trip down down south, down to uh, Devil's Bowl to run their 305 Nationals. And uh, they didn't fare too well. Uh, Tyler Drukey was the best for anyone, and that was on uh, Friday night where he finished second behind Martin Edwards and uh, a uh, past... Uh, Race Saber 305 National feature winner out of Eagle Raceway. Kevin Ramey picked up the Saturday night portion of that race. Kevin Ramey's got a long uh, storied career, and he's won many, many 360 races, mid, some midget races. And now I think he's just having fun dabbing in the 305s and the modifieds. And, and uh, But, yeah, Kevin's always a solid, solid uh, competitor. And he took a – I didn't recognize that car. He's usually in his own 7M, but this was a number 11 car. Yeah, this I, was one of the uh, Mike Melton machines. And I want to believe Mike is maybe out of can the Kansas area. I'm not quite for sure. Maybe Kansas, Oklahoma area, but they always have a strong contingency of cars when they when they bring those machines up here for to Eagle for the 305 Nationals. And I've seen them run a handful of times with the 305 down at uh, Belleville with the I want to say the US RS USCS or whatever that series is. URSS. Yeah, URSS. that series. Yeah, I'm kind of watching the video of Trey Mills, that 12 year old late model driver that pulled into the um, to the winner circle. Uh, geez, he he's a he's a he baby. <laughs> yeah it, it's it's crazy um so that's gonna wrap up uh race recaps for the week i believe i think that probably much yeah. narrowed everything there were a lot down. more winners but uh those were the more popular more well-known drivers that uh that we kind of mentioned here yeah we, we don't want to just dwell on and have 20 minutes of race winners and whatnot but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with jacob weaver all right w- welcome back to the program everybody we are now joined on the phone by the uh the tire specialist of the uh number 15 donnie shots machine uh tsr stable jacob weaver jacob how's it going tonight Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, I can't complain. Uh, what What's life on the road treating you like right now? Uh, it, it's not too bad. We uh, trucked back to the shop the other night, so uh, I just kind of wrapped up dinner in my apartment, just kind of here at the shop, just kind of hanging out. So, um, like, like, kind of talk to you about the uh, this show uh, prior to coming on air. We like to tell different stories and and try to ask a little bit different questions than what the normal interviews are so um i guess life on the road uh with the tony stewart racing how many is this your third year there or your second year there this is my third year year third year um last yep. week you had a pretty busy weekend you were in mississippi on friday night and then you had to truck to uh, louisiana on saturday night kind of take us through those 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 couple days and how what's what's a normal routine for you guys on a weekend like that um, uh, I mean, I guess we drove there pretty much Thursday, got to Mississippi from Tampa cause we just stayed there after, uh, after East Bay. Uh, I mean, drove kind of all day Thursday, just about to my max for hours. I mean, it was actually about as close as I could get. And I mean, Thursday or no, I'm sorry, Friday days like that. After that, I kind of sleep in, just get up, have lunch, headed to the racetrack, uh, Thursday wasn't, or I keep saying Thursday, Friday wasn't too bad. Uh, I mean, I feel uh, it kind of took a little bit of time with the track work and uh, rework and whatnot, but honestly, that was probably for the best because with it taking rubber five or five to go or whatever, it would have been a lot worse if they wouldn't. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't too bad. That was actually a pretty cool track. Everyone told me going up to it how cool it'd be. I think it'd be another great race if they went back there uh, after learning some things you know, maybe of what, what they can do from the first time. Uh, really, I didn't drive in between races. I actually, uh, I guess I didn't realize it, but I fell asleep so hard that I was drooling all over the one pillow on the back. Cause Scuba <laughs> made a comment to me about how I didn't drown from my own drool back there. So 
really the truck in between races, even though it was four hours, wasn't too bad for me because I must have slept through most of it. But it can be a real pain sometimes when you are doing it, and I have had to do it before. So uh, really, uh, then we... A lot of other teams I seen when I went up in the morning, they had got up first thing and worked, but we we went from Texas back to the shop, so we slept in and when I went out and had lunch, uh kinda went to the racetrack and really I mean uh, we worked in the grass there. It was actually super nice. Uh I felt like maintenance flowed super easy. It was only done in a couple hours and then then we drove back all night, but that was definitely I did not get to sleep for that whole drive. Uh it, it wasn't too bad. I feel like weekends like that or after doing it for a handful of years or I don't want to say standard, but that's, that's pretty much how a lot of them go uh, with getting a few hours of sleep each night and trucking on like that to get back to the next race or get back to the shop for the most part. Not very often are we short drives all the time. I guess I should say every week, uh, you know, where we race so close kind of move regions constantly it seems like right well that you, makes spent sense. Week, you spent the week in tampa correct yes sir Did, didn't you get to do some fishing out there i did uh we uh we got our work done sunday and monday and i ended up going fishing wednesday because it was super windy and that was the day the it was the least windy and that's not really an every week type of thing as much as i wish it was uh that was the first time I've got to go in a while. So uh, I actually was a captain I've been been fishing with before, like seven or eight years ago. And he's a super cool dude. And I went with Brandon Hickman and uh, who also I really like hanging out with. And that was, uh, it was a good time getting able to go down and hang out on the water at a couple of restaurants there and get to do some fishing down there. Stuff like that makes it really fun uh, when you get to enjoy the travel that you do for this. You, now, you, got a, you caught some good ones, didn't you? Yeah, uh, not as big as the one I had caught last time when I was with him, but uh, snook are a pretty hard-fighting fish with really soft mouths, so you got to use, like, a real light tackle and, you know, have drags real loose on them so you don't ever tear the hook out of their mouth. And I'd say all those fish are pretty average or standard size, but, I mean, they, they put up a really good fight, and they're fun. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there would be a better inlet water fish, you know, without going offshore. 30, 40 to 50 miles, uh, you know, you could catch it, have just a good a time without going out so far. So who's the better fisherman, uh, you or Connor Nelson, uh, Wayne Johnson's crew chief? Uh, you both always tweet pictures of massive trout and stuff that you guys catch. Uh, have you guys ever fished together and seen who, who had the master angler? Uh, no, I've, I've never actually fished with him, but I have seen some pictures. He's got some pretty good steelhead too, which, uh, which I do like steelhead fishing is probably one of my favorite things to do. So I do like seeing some of those pictures from when he gets to go up on the fall spawn run there and check, uh, see the, see the fish that he's caught. All this fish talk, Brad, I'm just lucky to catch a catfish when I go out with my dad. <laughs> People ask me, what do you fish for? And I said, fish, uh, I don't fish for anything specific. I want whatever's uh, going to bite, uh, bite whatever my, my bait is. Sometimes that's all you can hope for. Uh, not every time does it go like uh, like you planned. Now you mentioned earlier about the uh, the drive uh, the overnight drives from the racetrack. Not everybody can be your boss, Donnie, and just fly from racetrack to racetrack and you know fly home for the week or whatever. Somebody has to drive that that truck and trailer out there. And I have a hard enough time driving. You know the four hours it takes for me to get back from uh, Knoxville on a Saturday night back home to Lincoln. I don't know how you guys can you know do the you know eight hour drives and whatnot. That, that's beyond me. Yeah, it, uh, it's not a, not necessarily does everyone, uh, does one person do the whole eight-hour drives. Usually Scuba and I try to split it up. We all three, uh, me, Brad, and Scuba actually all have our uh, CDLs, so we kind of take turns or split it up so it's not so bad. But it's definitely a lot of loud music in my headphones to sometimes or a couple Mountain Dews to keep the truck rolling for sure. You said you trucked uh, into Mississippi on Thursday night, and so Friday, I'm assuming during the day, all the car maintenance was done and everything because of the the week you spent in, in Florida. So uh, you got to sleep in a little bit and get rested up. Um, what what did you? How did you occupy your time? And you, you mentioned you took a nap and and stuff, but uh, um, you couldn't have napped until like 
three o'clock in the afternoon, could you have? You mean Friday you're talking about before the races? Yeah, yeah Friday, because you, uh, you drove all night Thursday, so I assume uh, the maintenance was done on Friday for that race. Correct. Yeah, everything was everything was done earlier in the week. Uh, I mean, honestly, before like that, some days when you get to the racetrack, at least for me anyway, I try to always have my work done before uh, I get there. So I guess I could, I don't want to say that's like my relaxed time, but there's any like little knickknack BS stuff kind of like that you got to do maybe get a couple more rags from down from upstairs or something and fold up the cabinet. Uh, but I had pretty much had all that done. I just got up, had lunch. Uh, and, uh, I mean, when I got there, I really didn't have much to do. Honestly, obviously every time doesn't always work like that. Sometimes, uh, like you were asking about the chalk mark, not everything rolls out right where you got to wait to get back to the racetrack, you know, to see the tire truck and get stuff or, pump fuel, all the kind of jazz like that. But I, uh, you know, some of all those little, uh, time consuming jobs, but not every time is it like that, but that time that just happened to work out Friday. I didn't really have, uh, a ton. That's probably not the best story for asking all these questions, but getting fuel, getting extra tires, stuff like that. Like, uh, cause we race Saturday sometimes of, uh, if I know I don't have anything, I'll try to get it ahead of time. So after the races, it seems like everyone's go, 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 try to leave as quick as you can. Rather it be us in the hauler or the tire truck to get to the next track or before someone else tries to get it, you know, you kind of try to get there and maybe get what you need type of uh, thing. Now we're going to roll into that, that tire uh, chalk line here in, in just a minute, but on a typical uh, race night when you have all your maintenance done and you know, then all the actions going on is your primarily, fo- your primary focus, just tires or are you kind of doing a Jack of all trades type deal when, when it's a race night? Uh, no, for race night, it's pretty much just tires, just, uh, just my set, uh, set jobs like that. Pretty much just making sure stuff's in the trailer, keep blowing the trailer out try to kind of make it look decent uh type of thing check bleeders all kind of stuff like that well going back to this chalk line uh a lot of you crew members uh tweet about how ridiculous this hoosier chalk line is for us uh fans that don't have any clue what the hell you're talking about give us a little uh cliff note version of what is a hoosier chalk line and why is it always so inconsistent and you guys make so much fun of it well if i knew why it was so inconsistent i'd probably be up there trying to tell them what they could do different but i (laughs) I don't honestly know what uh always makes it inconsistent like uh today i mounted a bunch of tires trying to get a really small 94 uh maybe for this weekend but and it seemed like no matter what chalk mark i got which even though it was really small generally it's supposed to be let's see a uh, right rear off the top of my head is supposed to be four inches less. So like if it's a one Oh nine and a half, it would, act, it's supposed to roll out like one Oh five and a half, maybe one Oh six, you know, maybe down to one Oh five. I kind of give it a half inch, you know, variable. And then a left rear on a 99 and a quarter that really is kind of, it's more like five inches, 94 and a half, you know, 94, maybe somewhere right in there. If you, if you will, is what the stipulation is kind of supposed to be on them where sometimes like today I got a, I got a 98 chalk mark that rolled out to like 94 and three quarters. So normally that would be something that'd be like a 93, 93 and a half, sometimes a 92. It all kind of depends. But, and I, I say it depends because like these were super fresh. So they seem to be blown up bigger where sometimes you might get a 99 or a 99 and a quarter chalk mark that only rolls out 93 because it's been sitting on the rack for, for so long gathering dust. It's just kind of always uh, a crap shoot really, I guess would be the best way to put it on what, uh, what it could roll out to. I mean, you got your general ideas of kind of like that, what I was saying with a few inches less of what it's supposed to be, but it just seems to happen more often than not, that that's not exactly how it always works out. So you're looking for measurements so you can have the appropriate stagger. Is that what I'm getting at? Correct. Yeah, the the circumference of the tire, I guess, the overall length measuring it around. Can't you just add two years ago? I was at Knoxville. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) About two years ago, I was at Knoxville and I walked up to your guys' trailer and I'll bet you you had 20 tires mounted. And I'm like, holy crap, why do you need that many? And then you explained to that, that chalk that line. And you were hunting for the right tire. And I'm like, 
wow, that's a lot of work just to try to find the right one, two or three tires that you're going to hopefully need for that night of racing. Yeah. You're, uh, you're telling me sometimes I mounted, I've 10, 10 tires, you know, plus in a day, uh, just trying to get one and it just doesn't always work out like that. But I mean, I guess that's sometimes just how it goes. Those are days that I hope I don't have very often, but every now and then it does. And it's not just me. I mean, it seems like everyone, uh, like, especially for all our guys, like if we're all at the same track, not everyone runs the same thing, but it's, it's probably fairly close. So everyone's gunning for that same, same size, probably eventually, you know? So if you've got 10 guys getting two or three tires at a time, you know, of all, let's just say the same chalk marks, you know, they might, some guy might get two of the 25, 30 that they have there. And, you know, you might get none, you know, it's kind of hard to say exactly what, uh, how it'll work in your favor. Now, I don't want to want to get you in trouble by any means since, you know, the outlaws have the, uh, the tire deal with Hoosier, but do you think if they opened it up to like other brands like Goodyear or American racer or whatever, that it would make Hoosier be more consistent with these uh, measurement marks? Uh, I don't know. That's an inter- interesting question. I mean, having, uh, having competition will only make you be better. I mean, no different than like me as an employee. I know if, uh, you know, if I do a shitty job at my job, you know, there's obviously other competition, you know, that they're trying to be the best that they can be. So I can't say that it wouldn't, but, uh, you know, I've heard plenty of stories of other guys talk about the good years on how they had the same problems, how they had to mount a lot of time or a lot of tires all the time for, to get just one. So, I can't comment for sure, you know, on anything like that because the Goodyear days were, I was just a little fan in the stands when guys were running Goodyear still. And I've never been able to mount American racers. Maybe sometime if I go to Australia sometime, uh, I could get a chance to try it. But I know some guys like to feel the American racers or like of the old Goodyears uh, type thing. I mean, it, it probably would never hurt, but it's, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it could, uh, it could be the opposite way, you know, it could, they could totally shit the bed if they had, uh, more guys going in there, you know, with like tires blowing and type things. It's, it's kind of hard to say. Speaking of tires, blowing, speaking of tires blowing, we know how uh, Brad's boy, Sammy Swindell feels about the good years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brian Brown, he had one real... of the best, uh, best uh, remarks uh, for good years. Uh, he, he blew a tire in, in Knoxville and, he said, uh, if you ever want to have a bad year, you run a good year. So kind of kind of change the pace a little bit. It, it's not uh, life on the road isn't all all work and, and so forth. What kind of things do you get, um, find uh, time to have fun on? I, I know when I'm on the road, I, I don't travel nearly as much as you guys. But uh, like last week, I was in Fayetteville, Ar- Fayetteville Arkansas, and I found a great pizza joint and I found a, a really nice brewery that I went to. And so I hung out there. What is that the kind of stuff that you do? You try to find some fun local stuff to do or what, do, what do you uh, do to kill some time out on the road? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, when we were actually out fishing, Brad uh, went to uh, a pizza place that uh, Dave Portnoy had been to that they had watched a review for and then went there and tried it, which would have been cool. Uh, I would normally do something like that with him if I hadn't been fishing, which isn't always a, uh, there's only a couple spots to really throughout the year that I really get to do that. So if it had been somewhere else, I'd have went, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. It's kind of funny. Sometimes we, uh, we joke around about how much we work and race where we don't get much sleep. And then when we get free time, you can find us standing outside by the trailer doors, drinking beer, or just whatever bars within walking or Uber distance to go check out. Uh, sometimes there's only so much stuff, uh, you know, you can do that's within, uh, you know, within distance. Sometimes it seems like we park in a lot of mall parking lots because those are by hotels and big parking lots to get the trucks and trailers in. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not that, not that exciting, but sometimes I go walk through a mall or, you know, maybe if there's a movie theater close by when movie theaters were open, I guess, uh, you know, those type things pretty much go out of beers every now and then. We'll have some big cookouts uh, if there's stuff available that we can get. We try to do that every now and then, but it's uh, it's pretty much just kind of those same things. Have a beer, find a cool bar type uh, type deal. Pretty much out there too. I know if I was on the road, my wife would probably kill me because I'd be I'd be a strip club connoisseur. 
<laughs> yeah, you, every now and then you'll get lucky and you will find a cool strip club to go to every uh, every now and then uh, stop in. All right, what's the best one in the country that you've been to? <laughs> uh, Grandview Live in Daytona Beach, Florida. That's for sure. Grandview Live has got to be the best. All right, Brad, road trip. Here we go. <laughs> I'm way past strip clubs. Uh, uh, I leave it to you young bucks to do that kind of stuff. Hey, uh, I got a question for you. It, it seems like to me, you guys like to tinker a lot. Uh, you can go through any parking lot when you guys are in town and you could have spent the last week back at the, your shop in Indy. You can pull into Lincoln, Nebraska a day early and you go back to your trailer. And it's, it seems like it's almost inevitable. You have the car out, jack, the rear end jacked up, the tires off. And a lot of times you guys are just staring at it. Sometimes you're tinkering. It just seems like you guys are always doing something to the race car, whether it's to make it faster or to clean it or whatever. It just seems like you guys like to tinker a lot. Is, is, is that, am I just making that up or it just seems like you guys are always cleaning something or something along that line to make that car better, cleaner, shinier or, or whatever. Uh, sometimes, I mean, kind of like you said, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it seems like no matter how many hours you spend and what, what you all do throughout the week, it seems like, uh, there's always sometimes, you know, not enough hours in the day, rather it's just small BS, BS jobs, you know, kind of cleaning stuff up. Like you said, uh, sometimes people just have that mentality that you got to unload it every day and look at it, even if you're doing nothing, just, uh, kind of please the car owners like, uh, you're on salary. So if we're paying you all the time, you're working all the time kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. some people kind of seem to have that thinking, but there is definitely a lot of, a lot of times that it's, or it's not uncommon if you roll by that, uh, you'll see everyone out all the time. Uh, it seems like for a lot of long hours throughout the day, uh, having it out. That's also just good promotion for the sport to have those cars out. So people driving by can see them and, you know, there, there is a ton of people that come by all the time that, uh, always stop. And actually when I was at, uh, before Friday, I actually walked over to Dick Sporting Goods and bought a pair of shoes and, I was just wearing a TSR shirt and the one guy that worked there was like, uh, man, are you, are you with one of them haulers out there? And I was like, yeah, he's like, Oh man, you guys are going to have such a huge crowd tonight. Like I've a bunch of my buddies are going, there's, you know, I've heard nonstop people just talk about it. Like it's going to be a cool race, all this stuff. So every now and then you or uh, people come in and just kind of tell you, tell you about it. Or you always get people to stop by and tell you about their family or friends that race and, rather they're race fans and where they've been, uh, you definitely draw a lot of eye attention and people that come by when, uh, when, especially when there's more than one, one hauler there with everyone unloaded out working. Well, I got a couple of different questions. Where is your favorite place to go race at during the outlaw tour? Where do you have a track uh, or, or a region that you absolutely love to hit every year? Uh, I love Eldora. I mean, Eldora, I think is, it's probably one of the coolest tracks to me just because, uh, I've, uh, I've been there for probably the last 20 years for the Kings Royal. It seemed like that was like one of our family vacations we did in the summer every year was getting to go watch. So, uh, it means a lot to me. I'd always go for all the May races and everything. And before it was even let's race too. Like, I, I don't know. I just seemed to always go to all those tracks. I or go to that track, to all the races there for the outlaws. Uh, I really like Waynesfield, Ohio. I think that track is awesome. I wish the outlaws raced there. I think, I think that's one of the best tracks in the country. It's super racy. The, the speed week race there for the all-stars when they'd have one is, is always fucking awesome. It seems like to me, uh, even one year when it took rubber, like it was just crazy good racing right up, right up to the rubber and even still kind of into it, which isn't always the case, but, uh, I guess another region I'd like to go to, uh, I really like going up when we go to Skagit just cause that whole area is super pretty. And I think Skagit's actually a pretty good little racetrack. And then going down to Elma really isn't that bad a racing either. So, uh, I, that's kind of more for the area than the racing, but cause there's a lot to do there. And, uh, I guess just the sites are, I mean, it's for sure the, the prettiest drive of the year all year, which anytime you can get on Twitter when we're all doing that drive, you'll see several other people talking the same thing. It is, it's basically a postcard the whole time from the time you leave to the time you get there. 
Yeah, I love Skagit. Uh, we went up there, uh, my wife, daughter, and I went up there for a, just a vacation. It just so happened that uh, the 360s were racing up there. And so we went one night and God, we loved it. Paul McMahon told us it's going to be dusty. And boy, he wasn't lying. We we get there and all these locals are walking around with ski goggles and so forth. And and we knew it was going to be dusty, but holy cow, was it dusty. But yeah, I could go back to that track for sure. Yeah, I, I like going up there. You'll definitely see a lot of the ski goggles when you get around the Ohio area. Wayne County seems like a lot of places in there. Uh, it seems to hail dust pretty hard when you go there. But, I mean, I guess that's just sometimes a byproduct uh, of the racing. I mean, you don't go to a dirt track and expect to stay uh, clean the whole night, I guess. So I guess sometimes you just got to take what you can get with it. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball here because we just you brought up the dust and stuff. Going back to the tire thing, how how does the, the track surface you know dictate how you're going to prep a tire? I mean, if it's super you know heavy and tacky or dry, dusty, is there something different you do to the tires because you're not really putting a different tire on other than maybe a different compound? Correct. Uh, sometimes you might sipe a tire maybe a little more or or not at all, depending on if you think it's going to be real, I guess I shouldn't say dusty, but maybe abrasive or not. Like you said, pretty much the only thing you could really change that much would be compound, like which for uh, Friday night I had to uh, get ready just to be ready for the rubber. Uh, you know, uh, other than that, I mean, I guess your hands, I don't want to say your hands are tied, but I mean, between maybe grooving it a little bit differently or, or siping it, I mean, that's pretty much about the only thing uh, – the thing you could do for it. I don't well, know if that really answers that question no, or no, not. It, but... it does. It definitely ma- makes sense. No, that was good. I, I still don't understand what siping does to a tire, but you guys are always siping those things. I don't know. Does that allow for to keep the tire cooler, or does it provide a little bit more traction, or what's what's the purpose behind a siping a tire? So basically, kind of with grooving and siping. I guess I shouldn't say grooving if it's a wide one, but like if it's real narrow, like siping around like long ways around the tire, that kind of helps keep it cool. Like from blistering, like if it's a place like some tracks, you know, if you ever notice when it, not that every fan comes in and touches the tire, cause you might catch a look if you do that. But you know, <laughs> some, uh, some places make a lot more tire heat than others. So you might sipe around to try to keep heat down or if it's a place like, you know, if it's real dusty and, it hasn't been really going through tires. You know, you might sipe across two, once, twice, maybe even, you know, three times to get really aggressive to try to actually build heat and get the tire to work more and like drive harder. All right. Well, I really don't have any other questions. Uh, Jake, when you guys show up at I-80 Speedway in August, if you guys come a day early, uh, you, you usually stay out close to my house. Uh, it'll be post COVID. Uh, I'll I'm go and pick you guys up and come over and have a couple IB brewing beers. Trust me, they're going to be better than I'd the like ones that you tasted because I, you're not going to tell me the truth, but uh, those beers that were in that bottle, I don't know what the hell I do wrong, but I can't bottle a beer and make them taste good. So you're going to get them right out of the tap. And uh, uh, so if you guys have time, we'll throw something on the grill and have some, have some burgers or some steaks or something and come over and you and your crews can have, come over and have a couple beers. Let's just do a live show and have like a little TSR round table there. Oh, that could get pretty nasty. <laughs> I'd like that. I thought I was going to stop by last year, but it didn't end up working out uh, with COVID and yeah. everything going on. But I, I didn't have a problem with it. I really liked the the bottled beer that you brought me before. Normally, I don't stray too far from uh, from the Bud Light, and uh, which is pretty much my thing only. So I actually <laughs> liked it. Uh, I've had some people say uh, you probably get to have some pretty good beers or whatever where you go. Like you said, you you found a brewery, but... That's yeah. just not me. I go from uh, Bud Light tap handle to Bud Light tap handle across. It's all the same for me. <laughs> uh, that's all pretty much I care to have. But I like the couple IB beers that you brought me, so I'd for sure have another one. I, I used to be a, a strictly Bud Light guy. Then I started hanging out with Brad, so he's gotten me into the uh, his IB brews quite a bit. So they're definitely really good. They're pretty good, yeah, for sure. I uh, I highly recommend it. I give it two thumbs up. Bud Lights are my favorite, but uh, craft beer. I, right now, I got a Brad Light in the fridge that I'm sure you'd love. It's a, uh, it's supposed to be something similar to a Bud Light, so uh, yeah, I, I'm going to keep it on tap all summer long. But uh, that's enough beer talk. Uh, we we can I could talk about that all about as long <laughs> as I could talk about racing. But uh, what's uh, what's coming up for you? When are you heading out to Texas now? 
We'll uh, we'll head to Texas uh, Thursday morning. Kind of same deal. Like uh, we drove to Mississippi Thursday, kind of get there Thursday, and then uh, race Friday, Saturday, and then head right back on back to Brownsburg here. Wow, you get some serious road miles, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely be some windshield time on this trip. Yeah, for sure. When when you guys make your make your way out to Bristol, I'm watching the uh, the uh, late models and modified debacle that's going on right now. But uh, Bristol's been the big talk of the outlaw schedule since they announced it. So when's your plan to head out there? And what what are as as far as you know setting the car up and tires whatnot? Donnie's ran good, you know, when we've had the races out there in 2000 2001. And he's, I think he's going to be a definitely contender to pick up the win on, on the Bristol Knights. Uh, as far as when we get there, that's kind of over my pay range. I'm not really exactly sure when, uh, <laughs> when we'll leave. If I had, uh, if I had to guess, someone said it's like eight hours away. So maybe the day before, but I mean, it, everything, you know, is subject to change, you know, uh, I mean, knock on wood here. Uh, hopefully, you know, something could happen, you know, where you crash a car or whatever the race before or tear up a wing, something like that, where, you know, maybe could delay a little bit. Uh, as far as getting there, I'm not really sure. As far as stuff to get there, that's actually funny you say that because I had uh, started to get some extra tires today from Hoosier that I was going to go through and just try to make sure I found a, a couple that are, you know, seem to be really straight, you know, don't look like they'll have any vibration type thing because, uh, there'll be so much speed there, you know, you definitely don't want to have any, any little vibration, you know, at what could be 160, 170 mile an hour, you know, I'm sure will really affect Don and uh, how he feels in the car. So I want to make sure everything there is, you know, not wait till the last minute type thing and get done. Uh, As far as others changes like that to the car, I'm not really sure if anything else is uh, changing or not. I haven't really been told, but I did see a couple, uh, one video of a crash from there and one picture of a crashed car. And they are definitely tearing some shit up there for sure. When, uh, when you do end up having the incident. Yeah. Like I said, I got, I got the race on right now. And as we were recording, there's been a 17 car pileup with the modifieds and another six car pileup with modified. So they are definitely. Tearing oh, that's some shit hard up. to believe with modifieds. <laughs> like I told Brad, I I must crash again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then people are pissed when it's invite only. I mean, yeah, if, uh, right. if you're getting lapped in your regular heat race, or if you got a cheer when that thing fucking fires up, I mean, give me a break. People are just going for a picture, and I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm for people if they want to race or whatever. That's their hobby. But I mean, there's a handful of tracks like here. I don't want to say Volusia should be invite only, but you know, that's probably the other fastest track we go to. That it only takes one guy, you know, to be off the pace a couple seconds, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the closing speed is so much and that guy just, I mean, changes lanes right in front of someone that's fast and they hop a tire. I mean, obviously you guys are all sprint car people here as someone could really go for a ride. So, uh, I don't really think it's a bad thing that they, uh, as far as safety goes, uh, are limiting who goes and who doesn't. Yeah, we debated this topic uh, when they announced it a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of compared it to a lot like Belleville with the midgets out there. So when you got a when you got a car that's you know a second off the pace, it, the closing speeds are are outrageously dangerous. I agree, and uh, if uh, you're one of the people that was upset that it was invite only, then you're probably someone that doesn't belong to be there. Then, anyways. Exactly. If you have to worry about getting an invitation. Couldn't agree with you more because even if you think about it, the the top five cars are going to be so much faster than those that are running 20 to 24th anyway. And they're going to be good quality cars, but they're still going to be much slower than the, than the top five cars. So that, that in itself is dangerous. And then if you get some squirrel out there that doesn't know what the hell he's doing, that's going to, that's going to even make it more dangerous. So I, we're all for this uh, invite only. It, it's, um, they probably shouldn't even invite 45 people. They should invite maybe 35 cars because that's going to um, kind of even out the field just a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, it's, I mean, sprint car racing is so tough. I mean, you could win one night and then be lap traffic or miss the show the next. So, I mean, it, it, it would really be nothing, you know, to see, just like you said. I mean, there'll be fast guys that are off the pace. And uh, when you start having speeds like that, you know, it only takes, I mean, just like going to Florida, some people kind of get upset or don't like going to Florida because 
sometimes are slow and at big tracks like that, big fast places, you know, it, it don't take much to be slow. You don't got to be off by much to, to be behind by a lot. So you'll for sure see a lot of, uh, I think lap traffic there for sure in a hurry, even yeah. at the speeds that they'll be running. Yeah. I think if it's anything like it was when they ran out there before there, there will be a lot of lap traffic tra- traffic. If I could talk for sure. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm super excited for it though. I'd say probably Bristol. I mean, aside from the other races, kind of like Nationals, you know, and Kings Royal or whatever. Which Kings Royal is probably my favorite race that I look forward to every year. Uh, I'd have to say Bristol is probably right up there the the race I'm looking forward to the most. Just just because it's been so long since I did the last one, and who knows if it's a total shit show like the Modifieds have going on right now. You know, it might not happen again. So you know, it could be uh, a once in a generation thing. So to be able to be there and hopefully be able to get a picture on the front stretch when we're done would be uh, a pretty cool thing to have. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, I think we, as we, the sprint cars will put on a good show. And as long as the NASCAR show is pretty good, I think they'll probably do it again. Um, they might not do all this other crap that they're doing now with the, the late, mo- right. late models and modifieds and stuff like that. But I think, I think the world outlaw late models will be a good show out there and definitely the sprint cars are going to be awesome. Hopefully I'm hoping the NASCAR show is good. That way they have the opportunity to do it again. I agree. I, uh, I kind of can understand some of the other stuff they're doing, you know, to maybe get, uh, I don't want to say maybe some extra revenue from it. Cause I'm sure the cost to put dirt on it was quite a bit and to take it back off and get it ready for a normal NASCAR race. But I agree. I mean, I think the world of all late models and sprint cars can pretty much put on a good race about anywhere. So hopefully it'll be a good, nice wide racetrack where guys can race. And I think it'll be, uh, it'll be right up there for some great racing. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what the inflation rate is, but I know when they did it, uh, in the two, in the early 2000s, it was like 150 grand to put the dirt on and take it off. So I want to guess maybe 200, 250 grand to put the dirt on, and take it off now. Maybe. That's interesting. That's a, that's a cool fact that, you know, I didn't never, I've never heard that before. So that, uh, that's kind of cool. I'd have maybe guessed it was even more than that. Cause it seems like that'd be a lot of dirt bringing it in and a lot of truck and operator hours, guys on grader stuff like that. But, that is uh that's a pretty cool uh, fact actually that you knew that. Now it's a fact only because I, I seen heard it on the uh the TNN broadcast that I just watched the other night, so <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well at least it stuck with you anyways long enough for this. Uh oh, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be curious how much more it costs with just the process of inflammation and you know, bringing in all those uh gravel trains, the haul clay and everything like that that they had. I'd be curious what the cost inflammation went up or inflation went up in twenty years yeah, on no uh, something idea. like that. Well, they're they're trying to get their money's worth for sure by having both the the late models and the IMCA's and plus practice night and all this other stuff. So they're trying to make it worth their while anyway. And that's a, so I applaud Bristol. Yeah, no, I, I can't say uh, I can't say I blame them. I mean, pretty much everything and money makes the world go around here. So I mean, no one's going to hold this race to lose money. So you know they got to do what it takes, which I can understand. Yeah, for sure. So Jacob, I want to thank you for jumping on the program with us tonight. Uh, Definitely learned a lot about tires I, I, that I didn't know before, other than that they're round and they go on the back of a sprint car. <laughs> well, no it, worries. I'm a, glad. Uh, thanks for having me on. I had a good time uh, coming on and chatting with you guys. Yeah, it's a good thing we only kept this to 15 to 20 minute conversation. So uh, here, yeah, minutes, yeah. <laughs> we never good. keep it to the 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We can all have a beer sometime when we get back to Knoxville or Lincoln or sometime in there, too, uh, again, uh, when we happen to be going through. Yeah, we'll definitely for sure have to grab one Absolutely. with you after the race is at I-80 here in uh, August. For is, sure. Is that August when that race is, Brad? You know the date for sure. Um, After Knoxville. Okay. Sometime <laughs> in August is after Knoxville. I want to say it's like <laughs> yeah, August I Is it like it was last year on like a Friday and then we go somewhere else on a Saturday? Or is this a Saturday race uh, this year when we're there? I think it's a Friday race. I-80 normally races on Friday nights, so. Really? <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be happen to just be going down or we're there the night before and it'll all work out to uh, have that. Yeah, definitely so. Well, well, if, we, well, if we stay on long enough, I can tell you here, just a second. <laughs> um, Friday, August 27th, and then you go to the Rapid City on the 29th. So, And then you're on Houston's on the 22nd. So, so they're, they're going to take their victory lane pitcher and get the hell out of Dodge is basically what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> Rapid City, South Dakota, Dakota on Sunday? Uh, Rapid City on Saturday, the night after. Yep. Oh, on Saturday. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I yeah. I'd, I'd say that we might end up making it there uh, for the night before on uh, on Friday or on Thursday. 
Well, if you do, then that's hard we'll, to say. We'll, we'll that's above my pay range, but for sure, I'll be in. Co- I'll be in contact uh, for sure to link up if we are. All right, sounds great. All right, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk right. to you later. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, guys. You have a nice night. You too. You too. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys, that was Jacob Weaver on the phone with us, man. That was, that was a cool conversation, Brad. Life on the road is something I would have loved to do when I was younger, but uh, being an old guy with a family now, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I don't know what I could keep those hours that they keep. Holy buckets, they, they drive all night and they, they work all day. So uh, props to them for doing it. That gives us uh, something to watch on the racetrack, but uh, I know I couldn't do it. Yeah, definitely, for sure. So uh, before we wrap up tonight's show, we have uh, some news. Uh, it looks like the uh, the MSTS released their 360 schedule, and hopefully that does not have many competing dates with the uh, the 360 dates out there at I-80 Speedway this year. Um, I, I didn't look that closely, but it looks like maybe the July 3rd race might be a conflict. But other than that, it looked like they're all uh, pretty good. Um, the MSTS 360s out of South Dakota, they're racing 23 events this year in Iowa, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Nebraska. They are going to be coming to Wagner, uh, Nebraska, and off-road in Norfolk, Nebraska, a couple times this year. So uh, we will get to see the MSTS uh, race uh, in Nebraska. And then, of course, that means that there's going to be some Nebraska contingent. Uh, you got to believe that Seth Bramer, uh, um, Dover, uh, um, Ledger, we're going to have some cars that are going to be over there. So uh, i got to get up to that Norfolk track, that off-road. It, it sounds like a pretty cool little little joint uh, to, to go watch a race. Yeah, I definitely want to go up there. I heard it's kind of a pain in the ass to try to go photograph of that place. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I might just go sit in stands with you and drink some beers. I hope they sell Bud Light, but, uh, yeah. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is uh, the Nebraska – I'm sorry, the Nebraska – the Knoxville 360 Booster Club. Um, there are a group of fans over there in Knoxville, Iowa, that uh, are donating their hard-earned money – to help increase the purse of the Knoxville 360 sprint cars. Um, Alan Dehi, um, he helped organize this and he has done a, the legwork to try to get some money put together. And at last count, he had $36,000 per year. It's a three-year commitment. So three, um, three times 36 is over $100,000 going to the purse of the Nebraska. Uh, God, I keep saying Nebraska. I wish Knoxville it was going to Nebraska. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, when they're the purse for the um, 360s at Knoxville before Alan started this uh, 360 booster club was $1,200 to win. Uh, they paid $9,000 a night for the 360s. Uh, that was the purse back and three. It's been, this is the fourth year. So it's about um, five years, years ago. Part of that. Yeah, $1,500 when now they're going to pay $12,750 purse. That means $1,700 to the winner. But more importantly, they are increasing the the payout in the middle of the pack. So uh, this is going to benefit everybody, all the drivers, not just the winners or not just the top three. The the middle of the pack, the, the guys that finished six through 14 or whatever, they're going to get a pretty good – pay on pay increase. And so um, this is a great, great program that Alan's put together. Um, He's got a lot of people that are help out and um, um, support this and Knoxville 360 booster club. And I just got a text um, saying that that breaking news right here. Yeah. Breaking news that $36,000 is going to be bigger. Let's just say bigger. You're you'll, You'll see a press release coming in the next day or two, but uh, it's going to so be even. Are we bigger. talking like thirty six thousand one dollars, or are we talking maybe forties, fifties, or even I could, higher? Maybe I can tell you that, but I, I'm just supposed to put out a teaser that it's going to be bigger. So yeah, so, definitely uh, keep an eye out. I know Knox was it Knoxville that tweeted out the uh, the uh, the yeah. the original thirty six thousand dollars. So hopefully, uh, yeah, here in the next day or so that they, you'll see that pay increase and and uh, what is going to be up to and we've mentioned alan's name quite a few times here on the podcast he's a good friend of brad's uh he's always seems to be at i80 for the 360 races or any sprint car race out there at i80 is alan originally from nebraska or is he is he an iowa boy he he was in omaha for a long period of time uh and then he works for um echo um darn it uh, echo water I, systems uh, no echo uh, <laughs> electric electric company okay. it's a 
they, they provide a lot of electrical, gosh, Alan's going to kill me when he reads this or he hears this. Um, they provide a lot of uh, um, uh, electrical equipment for um, buildings that are building uh, big facilities and so forth. But uh, they have a, a place here in Lincoln, Omaha. Um, he's, he is now in Iowa. So, uh, um, but he, he was, he lived in Omaha for a long time, but now he's over there in, in Iowa. I can't remember if it's Cedar Falls or Cedar Rapids. I, I think it's Cedar Falls, but anyway, um, he's over there. And so, uh, um, uh, for the longest time, I would always pronounce his, his name, Alan DeHay. Um, but, uh, I was, uh, corrected this last week and I, I really apologize, Alan, but it's Alan DeHay and Alan's a, a huge sprint car fan, loves sprint car racing, loves sprint car racing in Knoxville. He has a suite up there in turn two and uh, Jaeger bombs fly. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, we've been invited to, you know, go up there and have a quick time show up there in a suite when hopefully maybe get John McCoy on and, you know, maybe we can make a day of it and get a bunch of drivers up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Alan invited us up there to a suite and uh, get John McCoy up there to, to have an interview. And yeah, we could probably bring in Joe Beaver. Uh, I, I sat with him once up there and guy, what a great Joe's guy. a good he guy. A I love, I love Joe. So, we need, we uh, need yeah, to get Alan on. I mean, we, even if it's just to say a few words, I don't know if he's a very sociable guy, and but I'm sure if you're, you know, flying the Jaeger bombs, some stories will come out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But really appreciate Alan and what he's doing for Knoxville. He was a a huge um, uh, factor in the uh, the fall brawl at, at I eighty Speedway. He brought in Casey's. Uh, he 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 built. Uh, I don't want to say he. He's responsible because uh, the Kaziskis did a lot too, but uh, Alan's done a lot of work there for the fall brawl at I-80 Speedway. So Alan's just one of those fans that loves sprint car racing. Instead of bitching about it and complaining about it, he is doing something to make it better. And so um, props to Alan DeHay. Gosh, damn it, I did it again. <laughs> Alan DeHay. <laughs> it's going to be hard to break that habit. Alan DeHay, uh, props to him for uh, just loving this sport and doing what he does to make it better. So uh I'm looking forward to a new announcement uh, from the Knoxville 360 Booster Club at uh, more money into the purse and making sprint car racing at Knoxville Highway even that much better. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think that's going to wrap it up for the show tonight. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, actually, before we go, um, let me pull it up here real quick. We got another Facebook message um, Sweet. from... Uh, let's see here. I also, James McFadden's going to be in the country, and he's taking over Casey Kane's ride in the in the nine car. So McFadden's going to start his World of Outlaw Assault. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that McFadden's now in the country because uh, our uh, our Facebook message that we got was from Down Under. Sweet. So we've had uh, two people from Down Under, you know, message our show and whatnot, and uh, and Mandy. Uh, Searly, I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but uh, she she said she loves listening to the podcast. It, it kept her sane last year when uh, they were in the six-month lockdown in Melbourne, Australia. She still listens to this day, each and every one. She said, uh, thanks, guys. So that was pretty awesome. Awesome. We're, we're international even more than we ever have been. Yes, definitely for sure. And then we also got a, uh, a phone message um, the other night uh, after our uh, after our. Uh, our show last week. Hey gang, James Roland. That did not play the way I wanted it to. No, it didn't hardly hear it. Uh, You're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> no, I'm not editing it. It is what it is. Hey gang, James Roland. Uh, kind of a quick time question and comment here. Listening to your program from this past Tuesday about the support classes. Now, I watched the World of Outlaws from Volusia last Friday night and had to chuckle pretty fucking heavy when <laughs> they only got 25 cars. Now, you guys are talking about support class this and let's only have one and blah, 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 blah. Well, 25 cars doesn't pay the back gate. And I think only... It looks like it cut out, but I think what James was pointing out that, you know, 25 cars is, is if it's a standalone show, only one class, that's, a, that's kind of a tough, a tough sit. It, it doesn't pay the bills unless you got a packed grandstand. 
doesn't pay the back gate. And I, I think he's trying to, you know, counteract us a little bit where we're saying, you know, only need one sprint, one class, one class cars when it's like the outlaws or whatnot. But when they show 25 cars, I think, I think an, an event like that, when there's, you know, that little of cars, a support class definitely helps out a lot. It does. But uh, if you look at the stands, uh, there didn't, there wasn't even a need for a support class because uh, those fans in Louisiana, Mississippi packed the grandstands and it was a front gate program. It was not a back gate program. So um, 25 cars showed up in a rate in a, in a state that doesn't have four tens and uh, they packed the grandstands. So in this case, uh, they didn't really need a, a support class. And uh, so props to the fans that went down to those two outlaw races in Mississippi and Louisiana uh, other tracks, uh, I know here in Nebraska, we don't have four tens, and so when they go to I eighty, we're we're going to probably need a support class to help fill the stands up. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, don't know that I agree though. And it, at least in this case, in hindsight's twenty twenty, the stands were packed, and so don't know that you really needed a support class for this race. It's one of those things. You're you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, it's it's everybody has their own opinion. They're like yep. assholes. Everybody has one. And, and, and I appreciate your phone call because uh, it, it just added to the dialogue. And, and that's what it's all about. It's not being critical. It's not trying to, to piss anybody off. It's just, it, it yeah, is what it, it is. It's not, I'm right, you're wrong. It's not, you're right, I'm wrong. It's just, it's just conversation. And I understand your point and uh, point well taken. Yep. And James is probably going to be pissed because he told me not to play it, but fuck him. I'm, I played it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for this week's show, guys. Thanks for uh, sticking on with us. If you like the program, make sure you uh, share it out because that's the only way we're gaining listener, listeners is, is by you guys helping us out here and uh, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. So stay tuned for the, uh, the Knoxville 360 fan club announcement. And hopefully uh, that's out here pretty soon. And you're going to be surprised by the amount of money they're, they're bringing in the 360s out there. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to leave it at that. Brad, have a good night. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, guys. You too. Cheers. Go to work now. Yep. We'll check everybody on the flip side. <laughs>